BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Okay. Take it serious, dude. I, I, it's getting serious on me. It's only three be- uh, beads of sweat I see right now. Not <laughs> uh, it's coming flowing. That, that's why he's been at the gym pumping super pumping hard. Super hard. Yeah. I was to. at the gym today <laughs> filming her do ten pull-ups. That's what I did. At the gym. I saw I that. Michael. Yeah, you're, you're pretty awesome. <laughs> I don't think I could do two. Well, it, it's actually because when I first no. met, <laughs> I'm sure you can though. No. Huh? Yeah, no, I got too big of a belly. My <laughs> belly gets in the way and all that weight, and my joints start hurting, and I'm like, oh, no, this is a chore. I am I just maybe two, maybe. Two oh, still a lot, though. Last year, <laughs> I couldn't even do one. Okay, maybe two right me. now, but how many could thunder Javier Mendez oh. do? Oh, he could do... 30. No, 15, 15, maybe 20. Habib is a cousin. He did 30-something. His Cousin did 30 something in Dubai. Wow. Yeah. Well, I was just like reading up on Anthony Robles, the, the wrestler with uh, one leg. Yeah, with, well, the, he, with the wrestler. Oh, yeah, his pull ups are unbelievable. Well, because he's got less weight, too, if you think about it. And he, so he had to compensate for that, you know, the loss of the leg. So they're a lot stronger. There's that also, there's that one guy that doesn't have a, a lower body. Mm-hmm. And you see that guy. I don't know who he is, but he's, he's everywhere. He's very athletic, super athletic. And uh, that guy, when you have that less weight, you have, and then they build so much, you know. Yeah, but it's got to be the heart and the determination, the mindset. Absolutely. Because uh, Absolutely. to yeah. overcome those struggles of every day yeah. and to set Guinness World Records. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How, it's, it's unbelievable. how many did he do? Uh, well, the record was like 7,000 and change. 7,000? Yeah. Yeah. And how many days? <laughs> 24 That's hours. That's crazy. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. Uh, it's like a pace 000. of like around, you have to average around 10 a minute. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. Wow. It's, inc- it's crazy. And crazy. Incredible feats. But also incredible was this past weekend, UFC Austin. The best fight night we've been to this year. Yes. So many knockouts, so many bonuses. Uh, you're sporting that Daniel Cormier wrestling shirt. We were talking about it coming into it. Phil Hawes, someone who... Had an impressive performance. Had a little spat with DC post-fight in the octagon, but it seems like he ended up apologizing to DC. It was a little bit of a miscommunication. Uh, you know, unfortunately for me, I missed the whole show. Uh, one of my uh, uh, good friends, uh, Tomas Diangi, I was throwing an amateur MMA event, and I had to go there. I couldn't, I couldn't watch, so I had to go there. So. Uh, I missed all the fights. and Actually, I, I didn't miss all the fights. I watched, um, uh, what do you call it, the semi-main event. And I watched a little bit of the main event. I, I watched uh, 
what's his name? Calvin Kevin ha- Kevin Holland to Meads and Kelvin Kel- yeah. Cater. And this is the first time I've seen Kevin Holland fight. Wow, he's fun. He's fun to watch. I was I enjoyed his fight. He he's fun. He's really fun to watch. He throws good crisp techniques. He's fast, you know, and he's game. I mean, I you know what? I'm I I've never seen him fight. Never. That's but you've seen him time. practice though. Yeah. No, I haven't. Because didn't he go to AK? No, just one day. Oh yeah, just well, one yeah. day. And he didn't really train with the team. He trained with DC's uh, high school wrestlers, and, and uh, I never met him. I met him for the first time at the Apex. Uh, uh, no, not the Apex at the the, the training center. And he comes up to me, goes, hey, coach, I, I just want to say, hey, you know, I'm sorry. And he didn't say he's sorry, but he goes, I want to say, hey, it was, I didn't mean what I said, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, uh, I didn't really know what he said. But some people were saying stuff in regards to him and I uh, having some kind of little beef or something, which we never did. We, we never had a beef at all, him and I never did. He just made a comment about how he got smashed in wrestling. And I did a podcast where I said, well, according to him, he, he got you know, he didn't do too well in wrestling with DC's guys. So, but somebody told him that I'm talking negative about him. So he must have said something, and he he wanted to clarify. And but he is a nice guy, he's a real nice guy. Super and I, nice. yeah, super nice. I heard, I heard that he he we should nickname some kind of comic hero, uh, Robin Hood or something, because he's saving people all the time. Batman. 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 He's the Batman, huh? He just stopped like a ju- jewelry thief. The night before his fight, too, Friday night, this past Friday. I don't know if he finds trouble or trouble finds him, but he's there to save the day each and every time. Well, you got to admire and, and appreciate him because he's the, he's the real deal. You know, here's a guy. You, we, okay, there was another guy that used to be from Seattle that dressed up with the comic book, you know, and it was a superhero doing things like that. But they never caught him saving anything other than, uh, you know, whatever stuff. But this guy's actually, he's actually doing it. You know, you know the guy I'm talking about. He, he's former uh, fighter. Uh, I think he's brother Benson Henderson. Maybe I want to say uh, I, someone, someone like that. He's he's he dresses up in in a, in a superhero and he goes out in, in Seattle and he's he looking to you know help people. Like a real life like vigilante. a real life vigilante. But but he, I don't I I think it's Benson's uh, half brother or something like that. Gotta think, look into think, it. Look yeah. into it. Look into it. Yeah, I we'll could be wrong about Google. Benson, but I'm not wrong about him. Yeah. You know, he's an MMA fighter, and he was out there looking to right the wrong and help people uh, for the good cause. He was doing it for a good cause, but here Kevin Holland kind of is doing the good cause without <laughs> the costume. So we just need, you know, if he's listening, hey, Batman, have people, you know, make him a pretty cool outfit. What do you think? What what an amazing story Kevin Holland is too. Like not getting his chance, and then Dana White calling him up for a last minute fight. He ended up fighting Tiago Santos, and one eighty five was his home. He used to fight at one seventy before the UFC for a good amount of time. Yeah. Then he fought everybody at one eighty five. The who's who. They all realized that wrestling was his weakness, and then he's made some crazy changes. As really practices wrestling. Now is fighting at one seventy. 2-0 at 170 in the UFC, and now look at him. Well, he's fun to watch. Yeah, the Darce choke was pretty good, and Tim Means is no joke. I mean, you know, but was uh, that Tim Means fight to enhance his popularity? Uh, maybe, maybe not, right? I don't know. But but it kind of would think on paper that it was made for Kevin to showcase his, uh, his uh, skills all the way around. And, uh, man, he did. He did. I was impressed. I uh, he's a definitely. I'm definitely a fan. And now, uh, 
he's calling I think Sean Brady was calling him out or he was calling out Sean yeah. Brady which would be a huge fight top 15 in the welterweight division or Sean Brady might be around number 10 and he's got that wrestling base that grappling base so yeah we'd be good problem is with me there's so many fights I don't know who Sean Brady is you know he's good up and coming, good yeah. up and coming guy. welterweight but well then I'm pulling for Kevin because I know Kevin so. <laughs> so I want to win Kevin Kevin all the way he's great but did you say you also got a chance to catch the main event yeah Probably I watched Peter a little Josh bit Emmett. I watched a little bit of it um, I thought it was a really close fight I didn't know who won but it was a very close fight so however they judged it you know based on, on looks the person that won got the worst damage from looks but I didn't watch the whole thing from round one to round five, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't really know. And I was watching some of it with John Fitch, and he had it on his little iPhone. He was, and so I was kind of back and forth. So from what I saw, it, it, it looked like uh, you know uh, that maybe it could have gone the other way. But I didn't watch the whole five rounds, so really my opinion doesn't count there. Really doesn't. So if I said, "Oh no, it was a ripoff," then I'm the guy that's talking crap because I didn't watch the whole fight. Could have seen it going either way. You could have. Yeah. Um, 48-47, uh, for sure. It wasn't like a Valentina, Shevchenko, Talia, Santos, where one of the judges gave it 49-46, that was which was absurd. Absurd, yeah. But I did, in real time, score it for Emmett. But I looked back at the statistics and everything, because we were there cage side. I think Cater landed more of the significant strikes. I think it was like 130 to 107. And you're right, Emmett did wear more damage. But I just think it came down to the fifth round, and I think Emmett landed shots that were of more significance. He definitely pushed the pace of the fight, and you know I, I wasn't mad either no, way. No, but, but also you got to meet when they put the stats on, on the strikes. Okay, well, it's real simple, right? You got five rounds, and and in the first round you have um, oh now I can hear myself clear. Thanks. Yeah. A little. Yeah. Okay. Cool. But anyways, the first round you throw ten strikes. Right, but all ten strikes land super hard. Okay, and then all of a sudden the guy's wobbled and da 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 da. He lands thirty strikes. Okay, then you're thinking, okay, well the guy landed thirty strikes one, but he didn't do any damage with those thirty strikes. Right, so how good is this amount of strikes versus this? If, if you're talking the whole five rounds, it's like baloney. I, I hate that because it's a comparison that should be thrown out the window because what does it mean? Exactly, and they always throw it on the screen. It doesn't mean anything doesn't to mean the nothing. judges in real time. No. They don't score for the whole fight. They no. score each round individually. Yeah, I don't know why they do that. It's stupid. It doesn't I, make I any think sense. it's stupid. You think it's stupid? Yeah, yeah because well, it doesn't mean anything. Well, yeah, it doesn't. Are you a fan of open scoring? It could be fun. Open scoring could be fun because there's no ifs and buts about that. <laughs> you tell your guy you're losing, you better go out versus versus some of the coaches we've seen out there, their fighters not doing so well. They tell their fighter they're doing fantastic, keep doing what you're doing, and they're losing. And we're, we on the outside are going, wait a minute, they're losing. You should be telling them they better win this next round big or they're going to – but they don't, right? They say keep doing what you're doing, keep doing what you're doing, you're doing great, la, 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 la. And then the announcement is these, you know, announced, and we know, you and I know, and you know, that the other person won, and they, they lose, and the coaches are looking confused, like, what? What just happened? My coaches told me I won. No. So that open scoring thing is kind of cool because it takes the coaches out of that when they talk to the, the fighter, you know, and it takes, it gets the crowd more involved. Uh, there's good and bad to it. I think there's good and bad to it. Am I opposed to it? Absolutely not. I mean, I'm not opposed to it. 
Well, David, when you brought up the Valentina fight, did you get a chance to watch it? Javier? Yes, I did. I watched that fight. Yeah, who do you think won that one? Uh, you know, it was definitely two apiece. I thought the third round was the deciding factor round, in my opinion. And, I, you know, the champ is the champ, and you got to really beat the champ, I think. You can't just edge it out, you know, like in boxing, right? You really got to beat the champ. I don't think that third round was, was super, super dominant. So based on that kind of theory, and uh, I think that uh, – uh, I think maybe they got it right, you know. But if they would have got the other girl winning, I'd be cool with that too because, you know, if if I was just not knowing who she was, I might have went the other round. I think we said it on the last podcast too. It, it was reminiscent to me of the Dominic Reyes-John Jones fight at USC 247 in Houston where it, you felt like Dominic Reyes had a strong case to win the fight, but the reason why the judges, I felt like, gave it to John Jones is it was those championship rounds when he went to the wrestling. And I feel like that's what Valentina was doing with those takedowns and just, you know, and you're right, you're the champion. The challenger has to take the belt from you. So it was just the 49-46 that drove me crazy. Cause no, no, that, that, that was yeah. – that that throw that out the door. That was yeah. that, that one didn't need to be there. But yeah. the other one did. So so I thought, look, if, if Valentina would have lost, I would have said, well, maybe in my eyes maybe she didn't. But – it was it was that close. It, it was you know, it was that close. And then a rematch is going to be something special. And that, that headbutt head too. Changed, it changed, changed the the whole fight. Yeah, yeah, definitely so. changed the whole fight for sure. I think she's deserving of a rematch for yeah. sure. Oh, if anybody, it was a fun fight. <laughs> yeah, fun fight. When's the last time we've seen Valentina work that hard? I can't think of it. Amanda, Amanda Nunes. Nunes. Yeah, it's been yeah, a while. Amanda Nunes. And remember when she fought Nunes? She got her. She got Nunes tired. Yeah. So she came on strong in the later rounds. So, you know, Valentina is one of the best ever. Yeah. You know, and and this girl, she's she's got to watch out for her. She gets mentally stronger. You know, and I say mentally because in her technique, it was not bad. Technique, her jujitsu is really really good. Her wrestling uh, is really good. I mean, her stand up could be a little bit better, right? But overall, man, she's Santos is something else. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch her yeah. in the rematch, yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever she does next. Yeah. Force in that division. I got a lot of heat for it when I did the show with Henry, but after after that fight, too, I made a Mount Rushmore of the fem- best female. Nah, I don't know. I never said the best female fighters, but when you're I think of Mount Rushmore, Mount Rushmore, I think of the most impactful female mm. fighters of all time. And this is my four. This is how I listed it, and then I could defend it. You can argue it. It'd be nice to hear. Helen, too, please chime in. But I did Ronda Rousey. Amanda Nunes, Valentina Shevchenko, and Joanna Young Jacek. So you asked me who who was left off here. Rose. Rose was left off. Holly Holm was left off. Chris Cyborg was left off. Well, you do have a dilemma there. You do have a dilemma there because you know you got Rose, you got Holly, and you got Cyborg. Cyborg. How can you leave Cyborg out? Well, I'll explain. Okay, explain that one. I'll I want explain. to hear the amount of title defenses in the UFC. How many does she have compared to the other four I just mentioned? She's also been busted before for performance enhancing drugs, okay, okay. and the other girls haven't. Okay. Um, and then in terms of impact, in terms of influence, and and changing divisions and bringing in more eyeballs, Cyborg would have been my number five if I had five. But again, it's four. I just wouldn't. I didn't see it putting her ahead of a Joanna. A Nunes, a Ronda Rousey, 
or Valentina. I put her at five. Okay, but didn't Rose beat Joanna twice? Yes. Okay. Okay, but and, Carla and, beat Rose twice. Okay. And Joanna but, beat but, Carla. But, we but, can't play that game. But 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 did she really beat Rose or did Rose beat herself? Did she really? Uh, really? I mean, really? Can you really look at me and go, yeah, coach, she whooped Rose? I, really? She got whooped? We're talking about Carla? Yeah, Carla. Against Rose? Yeah. Yeah. The second fight, I would argue for sure that Rose beat herself. So if she beat herself, what has Rose been doing? But Rose doesn't Phenomenal. have as many title defenses in the strawweight division as Joanna. Mm, yeah, she doesn't. She does. I, I, I bet, but look at her impressive victories, though. Very impressive. Come victories. on, you can't. There's an argument there. That's all I'm saying. I, you course. told me to come in on it, so I'm just throwing a stick at you. I'm not mad you about know? it. I'm not mad you about it. You can't be mad. Not at all. I can't be mad. He started it, right? No. Yeah, yeah he did. started. Rose started. started. You that's started. Why, that's why I said, I said, and Holly Holm too. And you and can and make and an and argument. If you for get it. any bad criticism on this, Helen and I are gonna get the good comments because they're good. Of course. All right. So who's your four? And then we have to hear Helen's four. My four? Yeah. Don't put me on there. <laughs> okay, uh, my, I don't know. I'll say, I'll say this. There's eight. <laughs> yeah, who's eight, your, who's your eight? Who's my eight? Well, obviously, you know, Amanda Nunes is there, you know. Uh, uh, Rose, to me, is there. Okay. You know, uh, Valachenko for darn sure is there. You 100%. Know, Ronda Rousey is definitely there. You know, Holly Holmes, to me, is there also. Um, also, what am I at? Five, six? Yeah. Five. Five. I'm at five. Joanna. Yeah. Yeah. That's six. And then, um, what I got? Cyborg. Mm -hmm. Seven. And, uh, Whaley. Over Gina Carano? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, everyone gave me the shit for leaving her off. That's why I said that name. Yeah. I think, uh. Not a bad eight. Eight. And, we'll Great look. and I'm not going to get in trouble either. <laughs> no. I can't get bad heat on that. Uh -oh, no, uh, I didn't say what particular order either. No, I just uh, picked all eight. Hey, all the Gina Carano fans are going to be commenting now. Oh, that's okay because you know uh, Gina, you know Gina was a sweetheart, but she wasn't. You know, she, I mean, it was. There's a new era, and 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 back then, how can you put Gina yeah. in there when when Cyborg did what she did? Right, true. Because you can't. But like Ronda would say, Gina influenced her, and if Ronda ever came back to fight in MMA again, she would want to fight a Gina Carano just for legendary status for both of them. For Ronda, that would be a good fight, you know. Yeah. But uh, and people would be into it. People would be into it definitely for sure, you know. Because remember, Ronda Ronda was a mega superstar in the MMA, and yeah. now she's a superstar in, in wrestling. So so yeah, you know, eyeballs will tune in to to a match like that. Yeah. But I mean, obviously, you know, it's going to favor Ronda big time. Yeah. But when you say Whaley, what did you make of Whaley's win? Like, do you see her as future champ or beating Carla? I, I definitely see her as future champ. She's improved so much from the last fight, and I'm I'm wondering if the fact that Henry uh, put some mental things on her to make her mentally stronger. Because she's a she is a specimen, an athlete. Boy, she's a yeah. great athlete, a great athlete. And the way she fought was so smart. And I'm thinking, hmm, definite change, right? But wh what has she done different than the other uh, previous fights? Well, she's. I think Henry's becoming a master strategist, and, and I think that uh, that became a, a great 
uh, avenue to explain how he is with strategies and his his uh, mentality and approaching the fight game. Like I watched Henry uh, demonstrate on on a move to somebody. Uh, it was on his Instagram. I'm not sure, but but he says something that really hit me really well. I said, "Oh, this, he knows he knows the game." He was telling somebody to move like a Tyson, but not as much as Tyson. And so he understands the the importance of Tyson-type movement, but he understands that every individual is different. So he understands that you can't make him a Tyson. You can make a Tyson, like tiny Tyson bit. And that's what he did to this person. And I said, wow, I was very impressed. I don't think not too many people picked that up, but Henry's uh, uh, becoming a hell of a strategist. Yeah, we watched that fight with him, and um, he told us, what to anticipate from Wei Li. Yeah. Wei Li had messaged him before the fight too. They've been in communication. Her distance, if you look at Wei Li, how she fights and her distance came, that's one thing he definitely improved with her on. And then her ability to get takedowns, to score points, and to really understand range, everything, that's that's what I know Henry's really helped her with. The interesting thing, though, is will she come back to the United States and train? If she does, she'll go to Arizona to fight ready. But her last fight was in Singapore. There's issues with visas. She wants her next fight to be in Fight Island in Abu Dhabi in October, so I don't know if she would train in the United States again. Well, I'm not saying she needs to train in the United States. Yeah. I'm saying what she got from him, yeah. she can grow on that and, and, and evolve into a, a much, much better fighter. I'll give you a, another person that I watched that I was so impressed with, uh, uh, Pico, Aaron Pico. Oh, yes. His last yeah. fight. I, I looked at and I used that him as a reference to my fighters. I said, you, you want to fight MMA perfect? How are you supposed to fight and not give your opponent a chance to be exciting? Look at Aaron Pico's last fight. Picture perfect. Picture perfect. Everything that kid did. He could have finished him with his hands. He could finish in this. But he kept taking the person out of his element to give him no opportunity for a, a potential lucky shot. We call it lucky shot, but they're really not, right? Because if you intend to throw, you land, you land. But the way he did it was masterful, and, and uh, I'm a big fan of, of Aaron Pico and uh, what he's getting and what they're giving him over there at Greg Jackson's. I think it's fantastic. It's changed his career. Yeah. Got to give them a shout-out. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He yeah. hasn't lost since he joined that gym, yeah. and well, it's well, changed his career. In all fairness, uh, Ali, Ab Ali, the manager, is incredible. He's the best manager in the business. We all know whether yeah. whether you love him or you hate him, you you got to give him his dues. He's the best manager in the business. I mean, the athletes speak for themselves. We totally understand. Yeah. Well, how do you get athletes fighting each other? Right. They're from different camps True. or same camp fighting each other, and they still keep the manager. How does that happen? When do you ever see that happen? It doesn't. Why? Because a manager will screw up one way or another, yeah. shows favoritism here and there, and he has been so great at not showing that. I mean, we all know he loves Habib. We all know he's, he's all over Habib. We know that. He, him and Habib are like brothers, but he fights Justin Gagey. And you think Gustin Gazy's going to get rid of him? Hell no, hell no. Well, the, the current interesting situation right now, one of your guys, Islam and Benil Dariush, both guys are represented by um, uh, Ali. 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 Yeah. That's a, that's a tough situation, too, because both those guys, you can argue, are both deserving to fight for the title, but only one of them will get that opportunity more than likely. Well, who knows? I mean, for all I know, they're going to fight each other again. Uh, like, you know, we never know, right? We never really know what's going to go on until really the UFC announces it. <laughs> I remember one time when I met you guys, uh, I got in hot water because I read on MMA Fighting that uh, somebody was fighting somebody, and I, and I, and I you know, some, someone asked me, the reporter asked me, so so-and-so is fighting so-and-so, and I go, oh, yeah, la, la, la. And all of a sudden, like, the match isn't done. I go, 
what was I would read it on them and find it in the report and told me it's like no it's not done so it's from now it's kind of like you know whether it's the right way to do it let, let the promotion promote their job let them do their job let them do their job and promote uh, their fights you know and then go from there trying to get in the, the the early lead on things like that it's like I don't know I don't know if that's the right way a promotion should you know, and, and, a, and a reporter should do that. Like, get it announced before the promotion does. Realistically, if you think about it, how, who's got the bigger uh, the bigger uh, social media? The promotion. Promotion. Yeah. Promotion. So let them announce it, then you guys announce after. It's been a couple months since you've been on the podcast. So in May, when they had, you know, the Charles Oliveira-Justin Gaethje fight, I wanted to kind of get your input on just his whole situation. Like uh, Charles? Or? Yeah, Charles. The weight, the scale situation, yeah. the vacancy in the title. Well, from what I was told, and I'm not sure if I'm 100% correct, but I was told that he had weighed perfect uh, the day before, the night of, or the day of on the UFC scale that's monitored by them, that's in their special room. You know, there's only, and, you know, but it's, but I think because a lot of people come in and they change it from kilos to, to, to you know, Libras, right? I think that right. something happened with the scale and it got on, uncal- you know, basically lost it, its, what uh, you know, accuracy. And all of a sudden, so you weigh yourself on one scale and it says you're perfect. And then you come weigh on the official scale that's not run by the UFC, that's run by the State Athletic Commission, right? And it deems you, you're over. I, I, whose fault is that? Yeah, we talked to John Attic that day because we were there at the weigh-ins. This, the official scale was recalibrated at 6 a.m. that morning for weigh-ins. So what he did that night was different than what he came to in the morning. So as a fighter, your psychology of, of cutting all that weight and thinking you're on point, and then literally the hour or two leading up to it, you're like, no, you're a few pounds over. That's got to screw with you mentally in so big many time, levels. Big time. But you know what? He used that to his advantage. He used that to his advantage. He goes out there. He lost his title, mm-hmm. but he's going, no, no, I'm still the champ, and I'm going to go prove it. He mentally became stronger because of that, in my opinion, because, ah, man, he was so impressive, so, so impressive. You have to admit, though, too, because of your relationship with, with Khabib, no one saw this coming for Charles Oliver. not necessarily not winning the title, but doing what he's doing against all the title contenders and how he's finishing all these top guys and – Remaining the champion, I guess not technically the champion based on the scales, but no, let's call him the champion. champion. Let's call him the champion. You have to be impressed. You didn't see this coming, did you? Uh, actually, I did. I saw that potentially he could do it again because he's been doing it. Think about it. He's yeah. done the His Dustin. Well, I'm talking. I'm, yeah. So you're talking from the time that Khabib retired after he beat Gaethje uh, in the position where there's a vacancy here. Did you see Charles Oliveira? Like, if you if we go back about a couple of years ago now, did you see Charles Oliveira being in the position that he's in today and still and finishing the contenders that he's been up against? I didn't know because I didn't give much thought. I focus on my guys, to be honest with you. But uh, you know, I, I'm impressed with Charles. I think he's very impressive, and and the fact that he comes up from the ground, yeah. be knocked down, and come back, that's impressive. Yeah. And the way he finishes these guys, and it doesn't matter whether it's on the ground or in the stand up. No, he's impressive, man. I'm very impressed with with Charles. Anybody gonna fight him? They better they better be prepared. So now a lot of fans are kind of talking about Charles versus Islam if that fight were to happen next or for that vacant lightweight title, I mean, what do you think about that matchup stylistically? 
Well, if we ever got that opportunity, it would be great for us, but who knows, you know, I mean, we may get Benil, we may get somebody else, I don't know, yeah. but let's just, so you're talking about if we get that, like stylistically, hypothetic. hypothetically, uh, you know, I love that fight uh, for Islam, because if you're the champ, you got to beat everybody, so, you know, hypothetically, if that fight ever materializes down the road, one or two fights from now, because you never know, right, you never know when it's going to happen, what happened before with Habib, oh, you're going to fight for the title, yeah, fight for the title, <laughs> it was a bait and switch move on him, to get Connor to do whatever, and all of a sudden, so Habib fought for the f title two fights later, so who knows when, when that's going to happen, but for me, He's ready for anybody, so whoever whoever's coming his way is going to get beat by him. Uh, he is to me the total package. Uh, you know, Islam Makachev can do it all, everything, everything. He can do everything. Is the next time we see him in the octagon one hundred percent going to be in Abu Dhabi? Like no plans to fight before October? I don't know when his next fight's going to be. I have zero idea. I, I could tell you yes, and I would be right, or I could be dead wrong or it could be november it could be december and you know i don't know i don't know i know i know he's fighting before the end of the year and who i don't know because there's no no they're not announcing they're, they're not even i don't even know what's happening to be honest with you other than they're they're working on fights for him obviously you know because and and likelihood in likelihood because of what he means like like uh uh hamza right him too in Abu Dhabi, you would think they want to put Hamza out there because that's what they need. They need they need the Muslim fighters. So you would think that that they would do what they did last year, right? They brought Hamza and they brought Ism there, and I would think they would want that again. But who's the opponents? Who's Hamza going to fight? We don't know. Who's Islam going to fight? We don't know. Who's going to be the main event for Abu Dhabi? We don't even know that, you know. But in likelihood of something happening there, you would think it's a strong case for. Uh, you know Hamzat and Islam and, and other and Habib, other guys to be on on that card because of what it means to that region. Makes sense for sure. Well, it's just in this sport, you know, it's a business. You know, it's about timing. I think the worst case scenario uh, from from Islam standpoint and from even Benil Dariush's standpoint is that because of the weight situation and the scale situation, there and Charles beating Justin Gaethje, there is a vacancy in that title. What we've heard since then, your favorite person in the world, I'm being sarcastic, Conor McGregor teasing opponents, you know, entertaining a 170-pound fight with a Michael Chandler. You have Charles Dubronx Oliver now calling out Conor McGregor for a fight with him as well, saying that would be a great fight, like taking away from it because there's this vacancy. And I know you got this losing streak for Conor McGregor, but it's a business. Can you see a situation where the UFC just inserts him into this title contention scenario because it's Conor McGregor? Yeah. Yeah. A likelihood I would like to see him in Chandler. I think uh, Chandler and him would do blockbuster numbers because Chandler's a, he's a showman. But what's he's the point showman. of having that fight at 170 pounds when they both fight at 155? Because it's just a fan favorite type fight. There's, there's no title implication on that whatsoever. And, and honestly speaking, both of those guys are not really – what we think in our eyes should be the guys fighting for a title. It's just an entertainment fight. But how many people will tune into that? I think you'll have millions tune into that fight. You think they're tuning more to that fight than the trilogy fight between McGregor and Nate Diaz? 
No, I don't know. <laughs> Nate Diaz. Nate Diaz is a good one too. Because That's I think a good one. the longer we wait for Nate Diaz, <laughs> nah, I feel like the UFC hey, might just nah, be waiting for that nah, trilogy. You can't say nothing about Nate. Look what Nate did his last fight in, in, in a performance. You know, he didn't get the W, but he got the W. I almost <laughs> knocked out Leon Edwards. He got the W, and that's all everybody talks about. Because <laughs> he got the W in everybody's <laughs> eyes. They came out clapping, cheering. He's the dog, man. He's the dog in that fight because he came out like that. So I could never say. You know, you you put him into the equation. So if I'm gonna have to go with that, okay, my choice, Nate, hands down, Nate. And the longer we wait for him to get booked for a fight, the more signs I think point to that trilogy happening. The longer yeah. we wait, yeah. But I, 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 my, my, my pick. If you're asking me who I want to see, oh yeah, Nate, because I already know, guaranteed barn burner. Yeah, yeah. and even and even burner. the lead up to the fight, just oh, oh my gosh, come on. But speaking of, like, good lead-ups to, you know, fights and whatnot, one that, unfortunately, we never got to see, Tony Ferguson versus Habib. But Tony's still kind of, like, calling out Habib and saying that he'll challenge him to anything, even, like, the ultimate fighter coaching. Is there any legs to this (laughs) ultimate fighter? What do you think of that? Uh, I know what I read. Dana said he'd entertain it. I mean, think about it. If you think about it, think about the impact it could have. Tony and Habib on opposite ends of the coaching. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the fireworks and Habib's one-liner tags? Tony's got them too. Tony's got the one-liners too. So can you imagine that it's it's a real chemistry of dislike and like. It's a dislike and like between those guys. It's not completely dislike. It's a dislike and like because I think to some degree Habib admires Tony. You know, and he dislikes Tony, but he likes Tony. You know what I mean? I think he respects Tony. So I, I, I think that Tony actually does it right. He comes at Habib with the right type of uh, attacking. He, he can attack me, Tony. That's okay. He can attack this, but he does it correctly. He doesn't go religion. He doesn't go country. Tony does it in a fun way. So I think it'd be great. Tiramisu Tuesday. Yeah, Tony, you know, and, and Habib, Dana, if you're listening, I think it's a great one. I think you're right, Dana. You're on cue. It's a great one to do. I think all three of those guys want it. So Dana... Well, you, I'm kind of fall for it. You, Dana, I think Khabib wants it, and Tony wants it. There you go. It's a done deal. I think everybody would watch that yeah, season everybody. of The Ultimate Fighter. I, I think it would be a good season. Yeah. And, and, and maybe they won't fight at the end, but that's okay. They can coach against each other because Habib, yeah. Habib to me is going to be the uncrowned, legendary best coach of all time. The best coach of all time. He's taking right after his father's footsteps. One heck of a coach so he's disciplined like his dad too i'm easy going right habib is like cracking the whip on these guys oh my god i saw the video that you posted i feel like you're the good cop now in the gym <laughs> i've always been the good cop <laughs> but like i feel more like... so now yeah but you can't tell khabib to stop though no one can I can. You can? I can. I can. And, and he listens? Yeah, he'll listen to me. Okay. If I tell Habib, hey, I don't want you doing that. He'll... No, he, he's super, super respectful. But I let him have complete control. It's important. It's important that I let him have complete control. What I do to Habib, what, why, what I'm doing for him is he'll do things, he'll make a decision, and I'll go talk to him. I go, Habib, maybe next time we, we think about doing it this way. And he goes, uh, okay, coach, I think you're in it. So, so I've been coaching him, you know, he, I'm letting him do his thing. If there's something that I need to address, I address it to him and him only, you know, and, uh, trust me when I say if he's on his track, he is going to be the best coach of all time too. 
Well, we'll get to this week momentarily, but I want to jump ahead to two weeks from now. How special is it for you that both him and DC, you're sporting that shirt again, are both getting inducted into the Hall of Fame a couple weeks from now, International Congrats. Fight Week. Congratulations. Yeah, it's pretty cool. You know, it's pretty cool that uh, they're going to be in there. Really, uh, you know, it's a big honor, big achievement for both of them. They're very very giggly about it, if you know what I mean. They feel very honored that they're both going to do it together. And, uh, yeah, I think it's fantastic that, you know, that that's such a great mile-high achievement for both of them, you know. It's a big achievement. Definitely. It's huge for the gym. It's huge yeah. for you. I mean, same time, both of them and well, both these guys are at the upper echelon, not just Hall of Famers, but all time in this yeah, sport. Yeah, but there's, there's so many coaches involved with these guys. This is not me. There's, there's so many coaches, Bob Cook. You know, Rosendo Sanchez, you know, uh, so many coaches, uh, Re- um, uh, Leandro Vieira, you know, Ron Kessler. You know, I have a lot of coaches that have contributed to, to both guys. With Habib, is mostly me and his father. Uh, but, but with DC, it's, it's a lot of different guys, Rudy, Rudy Sanchez and things like that, that really, really contributed to DC's. Got a total package of a team, DC. Put into words the context of the audience, like what this kind of means for you, because as a coach, like, I don't think it gets any better and more rewarding to see your guys, you know, getting a gold jacket, going into Hall of Fame, being recognized as some of the best who have ever done it. I'm kind of torn, to be honest with you guys. And, and the reason why I'm kind of torn on this is because to me, a UFC is a UFC Hall of Fame and this should be an MMA Hall of Fame type thing where, where all the greats can be inducted into that. And when I see something of uh, the nature where someone like a Frank Shamrock is not in the UFC, and he was my guy way back then, and, and how can you how can he not be in the UFC when, when he he really was the pioneer that showed total total striking, total wrestling. Total, he was the total package. He was the first guy that actually showed the total package. He was the first middleweight champion for them and why is he in the ufc is it coming later you know why hasn't it come so for me i i'm just kind of like is it subjective who makes the calls i don't know you know am i happy for my guys heck yeah i'm very happy for them but i see someone that's like a frank shamrock that i think deserves to be in in that spotlight that is not you know but why i don't know i'm not asking people why i don't know i'm just saying shouldn't he be on it what about hicks and gracie you know you know, I, I'm just saying a total. It's the UFC Hall of Fame, but but talking about like a whole, whole MMA, MMA. Yeah. yeah, MMA. It's an interesting thing because you know I say this reference all the time when people think of MMA, like even just a casual fan, they think of the UFC. But like if I say to you Javier, when I say professional football, people automatically think of the NFL. They don't think the CFL, the yeah, AF, yeah. No, the I XFL. Agree with that. And, I agree with that. And that's just to laymen, to casuals. That's how they think of MMA. They think UFC. But think about this, when, you, when you're talking about the, the UFC or Hall of Fame, right? Think about Hall of Fame. I got inducted into the Hall of Fame, I believe, 2009. There was a Hall of Fame that the panel did, and they, uh, they, they put uh, coaches. Coaches were in the Hall of Fame. Uh, sports guys were in the Hall of Fame, and then fighters. And then they gave them a number. There was like 20, 20, 20 people inducted into this Hall of Fame. And it, was, it wasn't by... It, you know, it was by the team of people, and they picked people like Hoist, I think, was number one. Ken Shamrock was number two in the Hall of Fame. And now this one, and then I was number 11. And I think uh, another one uh, was uh, uh, the Lake Lock guy. He was uh, Eric Paulson. Eric Paulson was uh, one of the Hall of Fame coaches, too. It was pretty cool. 
and our Davey was on it too. He was on it. But I'm just saying, you know, from from my perspective, a Hall of Fame should encompass all the people that contributed. You know, you you know what I mean. Hundred percent. Like that, that's just that's just my opinion. You know, on what would make me happy is to see all these other people be included into something such a great thing as that. And, yeah. A Hall of Fame for the sport, not yeah. just the, the sport, organization. Not, not the organization. The, the, the sport in general, all the people that contributed, all the people that deserve, you know, to be in there. Like, for his, even Hall of Fame for someone like Shannon Rich. How many fights has Shannon Rich had in, the, in, in MMA? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I think the only guy that, that has more than him is, is, is uh, Travis uh, Fulton, or was it Fulton? You know the guy that had like 400. Yeah, yeah, 400. Yeah. yeah, Fulton. I think Travis Fulton or something like that. He had like 400 stuff. But then the bad thing is, you know, he he, he became one of those bad guys that you don't want pedophile type stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah a scumbag. So yeah, I could care less. But regardless, Shannon Rich. I mean, think about it. People go into seeing a, a Hall of Fame, they see Shannon Rich, and they see 200-something fights, and you start reading about this guy. He's interesting. I, wouldn't you want to read about something like that? I know I would. I'd, yeah. I'd, if I went into a Hall of Fame, uh, MMA Hall of Fame, I'd want to look at these guys and recognize them. You don't think Shannon Rich would want to be in a Hall of Fame or deserves to be in a Hall of Fame for that many fights? Right? That's I mean, true. you would think so, right? You're a league of your own. You're, he's in a league of his own. You know, but he's not he's not inducted. That's all I'm saying is it would be nice to have a Hall of Fame that encompasses everybody that helped the sport grow. From like the Art Davies to to you know, the Dana Whites to everybody, the Scott Cokers, all of those guys. For sure. No, that's a fair argument. That's a very fair point. It's fair. I didn't know you were you were so conflicted with these two guys coming <laughs> yeah. into the Hall of Fame. Uh, well, I'm conflicted. I'm conflicted because uh, uh like I said, Frank Shamrock. Yeah. Makes you know, sense. Uh, I just feel bad for a great fighter like himself that, that never got that opportunity or maybe he is going to get it maybe he is yeah i think he should so this weekend coming up uh ufc fight night you're in town uh umar Namegamedov, someone that a lot of people aren't calling out in the bantamweight division which might be the deepest division in terms of the most amount of champions like you look at the bantamweight division who who what other division is as deep as the bantamweight division top to bottom, the amount of former champions that are still competing, the guys that are coming up now, the strikers, the wrestlers. Uh, Umar's one of them. He's got a fight this weekend. He's undefeated. Yeah, and he's going to stay undefeated. Um, I believe he's the heir to, the, to that title. He's just like Habib. He, in the gym, he, does, he always wins. He's always winning. Uh, the difference between him and Habib is he's good uh, world-class striking. He's got world-class striking uh, ability and grappling ability. He's got it all. Umar's got it all. Number one most important thing Umar has, he's got mental. I've never had to talk to him about uh, the mental strain. Never. Habib either. Never. Now, those two guys had the same, similar thing. Never had to talk to him. Isla Makachev, I've never had to talk to him about mental strength either. Uh, those three guys in particular, I've never had to talk to them about mental strength. They had it in spades. Do you foresee his road to getting that title like within the next two years? Or I, I would think that this fight's you know, if everything goes according to what I'm expecting, everybody's going to go, whoa, wait, this guy, you know, 
let's get him a top 10 guy now because he's deserving, right? And after the top 10 guy, they're probably going to give him one more. So I'm thinking within three, four fights, I think he's getting the title, and I think he'll be the champ. There are so many guys. Even this past weekend, another one of those great knockouts, Adrian Giannis, now like, what, a nine-fight win streak, undefeated in the UFC. That could be a name you throw out there against Umar, too. Yeah, uh, for me, I don't care. Uh, 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 whoever the UFC wants to match Umar with and whoever Ali and, and Habib agree on, I'm, I'm fine. I don't, if you told me, hey, we want Umar fighting for the title next, I'm okay, let's go. Let's go. I want to secure him a little bit better, but do I think he can beat the champion now? Absolutely, I think so. I think that much of him, yes. Well, what do you make of the situation going on with Aljamain? Because I think, is it they want him and TJ Dillashaw to fight, but is Aljamain trying to get more money? That's right? what that's what he's being vocal about. He's more money, wants more money. Wants more money. Well, you know can ask for more money right i mean the ufc is going to give you more money if you ask for money or more money and you deserve more money they're going to give it to you now does he deserve more money i don't know i don't know they have the figures they know who they give who what to right that's why you have some of these guys that make a, a big amount of money are they getting the right amount of money that they would want absolutely not you know but if they're not asking they're not getting so uh, he's asking hey i think great for him let's see what happens you know and then you have, on the sidelines, you have Henry Cejudo. A lot of people thought Henry Cejudo was going to fight Aljamain Sterling, but now maybe he's in a situation where he's fighting the winner. I've heard Pewter Yawn saying, I want to fight Henry, but would Henry go back and fight someone like Pewter and, and go right into a contender fight and not a title fight? Is that what he wants? What does Coach Javier think makes this make sense right now in this band white division? I think because Henry is definitely a GOAT. In, in that division, I and I think because, you know, Henry, I don't know if, if you guys have noticed, but he's changed his image, and I really appreciate it because I take him so much more serious now. He's more serious, and personally speaking, I think Henry doesn't fight anything but the title. He's earned that. He's earned that respect, being a two-time champion in incredible fashion. You guys got to remember, we must have forgot what he did and how he did it. Okay, I think he should fight for the title, and I, I, I definitely am not one that think, oh, no, fight. A, no, come on. <laughs> the guy's an Olympic gold medalist, two-time UFC champion, two-weight division champion, and he's willing to go up another weight. He's causing the right type of stir. The cringe guy, uh, Henry, if you're listening to this, uh, no cringe stuff. Now I like what you're doing. And I love the way you're coaching, guys, because you're an incredible strategist. And, and he's got an incredible mind for the game. And that being the case, do you know darn well that he's ready for the challenge? If he says he wants to fight Wojnowski, I say he is. Let him fight. He, he obviously knows what he can do. You know, he knows. He knows. He knows how to uh, do the game plan properly. I've seen already. You know, he, he knows. He knows. So... I say he doesn't fight for anybody but the title. But who am I? The UFC, Dana decides what he does and what he doesn't do with him and the, the other guy, Hunter guy, right? Yeah. They decide. For sure. But I think the storyline's there, too, because the last person to beat TJ Dillashaw was Henry Cejudo, and they did it at 125. So if TJ Dillashaw becomes the champion, he beats Aljamain Sterling, I damn well know that he's going to want his first fight title defense as a get-back against a Henry Cejudo. And then Henry Cejudo and Aljamain Sterling – they're stirring the pot. Your guy, DC, had an excellent sit-down with them. And I'm not sure if you saw it on no. DC's YouTube channel. No. He brought El Germain to Henry's house, and they sat down. 
right next to each other with DC moderating face to face. And uh, they were very, you know, cordial with each other, but they're both cocky, confident individuals, rightfully so, both champions. And that fight's going to be there as well. I agree with you, though. I think if you're Henry, you only want to fight for gold, and then you probably got to defend that gold, and then you got the opportunity to go up to fight for 145 if he wants it. If I'm Henry, that's what I would do. But, look, Hunter and and, and Dane are going to tell you who they're going to offer you. You, But you, you should ask. You should ask. If you don't ask, you don't know. Okay, let me give you, for instance, we talked about this already. Supposedly, uh, uh, Tony was talking about, let's Habib and I do the ultimate fighter. And, and I read the thing where Dana said he's not opposed to it. If they would have never asked, they would have never got to Dana's yep. thinking here, going, going. ah, you know what, makes sense. Look, what makes sense is dollars, good for the brand, which those two guys being the ultimate fighter coaches is good for the brand. Well, Henry Segudo is also good for the brand, the USC brand, because of what he brings to the table. As long as he leaves the cringe out, Henry, leave the cringe out. <laughs> you know, as long as he leaves that guy out, Henry's fantastic. Dave, next time you record your show with Henry, you got to tell him what yeah, Javier I think it's said. It's a couple hours from now. I'll, I'll let him know. This is yeah, great. Tell him, leave the cringe out. Wait, doesn't he go by Humble Henry now? Yeah, he goes He goes back and Forget forth. Get Humble Henry. <laughs> Henry the giant killer. I mean, think about it. He's a giant killer. He, he, you know, he looks out there. You look at him, ah, and all of a sudden he's killing people. Listen, he changes his mind like I change my shirts in this 100-plus heat uh, in the summertime. Like, he doesn't know if he's Hubble Henry one day, if he's Triple C, if he's the king of cringe. He can't make up his mind. He Man, just likes to entertain. Just take the cr- cringe out. Just take him out. <laughs> Fans, vote in on this. Cringe out. Cringe, cringe out, seriously. Out. Because Comment I'm not joking. He, he's, he's a serious fighter. The cringe is a... What is the cringe? That's, a, that's one of those guys that's trying to get YouTube votes and this and that. Henry's a serious champion. Be a serious champion. Hey, I prefer him to say, hey, let's go. You know, uh, I'm going to fight Ngano. Talk to me about that. Don't talk to me you're going to fight uh, Amanda Nunes. You know, don't talk to me about that. Or I'm going to fight Hasbula. <laughs> you're oh, a yeah. great, great, great fighter. Don't, 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 those guys don't deserve to be spoken by you. He, he's a great fighter. He's a great champion. Talk about the unforeseeable victories which is an Ngano type. And people go, oh, yeah, right, Ngano. But at least you're being respected. Yeah. You know, you fight Hasbula. Who's Hasbula? Come on. Yeah. I think uh, Rosic, uh, Abdul, Abdul Rosic. Rosic. Those are the guys that he's got to be fighting Hasbula. <laughs> Let those two yeah. duke it out. Well, you know, it's funny you used to talk about those guys, right? Um, when uh, they met in Dubai, oh, Abu Dhabi, they met in Abu Dhabi, and I didn't know what was going on. I got interviewed. They go, Coach, you know, so what do you think of the, uh, the Rozak and, and Hasbula? And I said, well, that's just an act. And they go, they're not going to really fight each other. That's just a joke. And, and the reporter's like, huh, why you say so? And I said, well, it doesn't look good for these two kids to fight. And I think they're just playing it up for the, the fans, right? And so then uh, later on, about the next day, I'm talking to, to Rizvan, which was kind of handling him a little bit at that time. And I said, yeah, can you believe the reporter asked me? He goes, coach, they hate each other. I go, what? They hate each other? He goes, yeah, they really want to fight. I go, oh, crap. No wonder you was looking at me. I thought it was a joke. It's not a joke. It's not. We were, So I, I got to meet Abdu Rozik yeah, in he, March in London yeah. by he's chance. He's a great singer. And he truly does hate him because he, he closes his fists he, and, he's, and he could box. <laughs> 
he actually has some skill. No, his skills. And, and the thing is, no, I, but I don't want to see those guys fight. Let, let You know what? It'd be cool to let them go at each other, keep holding them back, but don't let them fight. Yeah. yeah that's holding what I, them my back? opinion. Yeah. Well, it's not that hard to hold them back, is it? I mean, it's they're they're cute kids. They're adults, teenagers. I don't even know what to, they're nineteen or something you like know, that. You know, the funny thing about Hasbula, I, I get people that that I haven't seen for a long time, and they go, "Sorry, coach, I, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but you're Hasbula's uh, coach." I go, "No, I'm not his coach." Oh, but you're his friend, right? I go, "No, I'm not his friend. I, I don't. I know him a little bit, but I'm not his friend." And they're going, "Oh." <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> oh, they go, well, we, we want to meet him. <laughs> I'm like, great, I'm sure. You know, that people love Hasbula. They love him. The bad thing about Hasbula is there's a lot of people out there that are stealing his, his profile on Instagram. There's a lot of Instagram, and, and, and Hasbula has so many people on Instagram stealing his, his name, and, and so you don't know who the real Hasbula right. is. So with Instagram, it's so difficult to get fake guys out of there. It's, it's not an easy process. If someone builds an Instagram account, you just can't say, hey, I'm the real Hasbula, take him out. They don't just do that. There's a lot of wow. red tape you have to go through. Yes, there is. Yeah. I'll tell you guys what happened to me is uh, I got tricked with my Instagram. I had this guy named Flex Wheeler. You know, he's a famous bodybuilder, right, guy? Yeah. And he sends me a thing on Instagram asking me, hey, bro, you want to make all this money? Just send me this, send me that. And I'm like going, what? So I ignore him. Okay, and about two weeks later, Flex Wheeler again sends me a thing. La, 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 you want to make all this money? It's so easy, this and that. I made 30000 or whatever. I'm making that up. But he's talking about all this money. I go, I was feeling stupid. So I said, yeah, okay, you know, what do I need to do? I don't deserve this. Why do I deserve this? Why are you picking me? He says, oh, no, because, you, know, you know, I like you, and I, I just want to share my, my good fortune. And I said, okay. So I, I started giving him my info. Javier. Yeah, no. I know, I know, I know, I know. But listen, it gets interesting. So I go, I'm feeling bad. He goes, yeah, uh, did you got something on your phone? It's, it's, can you give me that four whatever number? And I, So I give him the first number, and then I'm starting to go, wait a minute, what am I doing here? And then he goes, okay, great, can you give me one more? He goes, and I got the next one. And I said, wait a minute. I go, is this the real Flex Wheeler? He goes, yeah. And I go, well, okay, call me on my, on my WhatsApp number if this is the real Flex Wheeler, right? He goes, okay, bro. So next thing you know, I get a call from Flex Wheeler on my, on my WhatsApp. And I'm thinking, okay, so I'm talking to him. And Flex Wheeler is not Chinese or Oriental. No. Okay? So he's talking to me. I go, hey. I go, this ain't Flex Wheeler. He hangs up on me. What? I'm like, what the hell? So I contact Flex Wheeler because he's uh, through one of the students in my gym who's, who's friends with uh, his mom. So uh, what happened is Flex Wheeler got his Instagram hacked. Somebody hacked his account, pretending to be him, sending information to all these people to get their information back, and then that's how they hook you. That's how he got me because he's liking my posts. He's doing this. He's doing that. He's he's posting Flex Wheeler stuff, and it's not Flex. Wow. Yeah, I called up Flex Wheeler. I go, Flex, you know, and he goes, uh, you know, I was on your Instagram. He goes, yeah, it's not mine. I go, yeah, I was kind of thinking, he goes, yeah, you need to call this number. I have the FBI working on this. I have this, that, this, and that. Well, anyways, long story short, it took Flex Wheeler about a good month, a good month to get his Instagram page deleted. A month. So for those guys that are looking out there, there, there is people out there on Instagram that do that to you. And 
that was amazing. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm so happy nothing happened to me. But I, I always one, one, wow. one, one, one number two. Yeah, one more. I would have wow. been done. Oh my! And gosh. also for those listening out there, don't think you could try to get stuff out of Bobby. Yeah, here. you're not. Don't. You guys ain't getting nothing from <laughs> he me. He learned his lesson. Yeah, <laughs> Flex showed me. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I can only no, imagine, dude. I, I, it's a very good plan. Yeah, very good plan. But yeah, no. no. And unfortunately, it's not just Instagram. It's all social all media. All social yeah. media. Almost everything. And everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. These hackers. The They're scams. so good. They're I so know. Good. It's scary. Yeah. And social media just gives them another access point. Big time. You know, I never even thought like your emails, right? I never, never thought. Because people are saying, don't share your email. Don't this. And I'm like, what's the big deal? What can do with the email? Then they started telling me what they can do with the email. I went, oh, boy. Yeah, they can do a lot. What? Email, they can change your passwords. They can look at all your email, scan it. They can see codes. They can see this. Wait, they could see your emails from well, just Well, if they get your, your emails, right? They get your emails. If Hackers they log get your email. In. They log in as you, and they get your email. And next thing you know, you can't get into your email because they changed the code. So you're trying to get, you know, your your email. But they're already looking and scanning all your thing, looking for what they can get out of you to, for other things you might have sent that are important. You know, wow. so emails, you know, they need to protect them. I didn't really think about that because we yeah. send emails with private information. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did, not to change the subject from email and scammers and stuff, before you got out of here, I did want to ask you about the 145-pound weight division. Uh, we'll talk about Holloway, Volkanovski 3, but someone I've had my eye on too who just beat Dan Ige, very impressive, Movzar Ivalov. Have you had a chance to watch him fight? Yes, yes. A super, super impressive um, I'm expecting him to cause waves, if not win the title. That's he's what impressive. I'm. Th- I think he's, he's a future uh, champion he's in that possibly, division. Possible, possible. He called out Arnold Allen, right? He called after out Arnold Allen after that fight, which yeah. is a good call out. It's a good call out. Yeah. Uh, Volkanovski Holloway three though. I mean, that's coming up in a couple of weeks. Yeah, you know, in my eyes, I think they're. I'm thinking they're one and one, you know, because mm-hmm. I I thought Holloway got the last one, but the first one uh, definitely, uh, you know, Volchanovsky, and I, I can see where Volchanovsky won both. But if I was a judge, you know, I might I might have been towards Holloway. But but regardless, regardless, that's a great fight. It's a great fight. And then the last question for me in that main event for International Fight Week, we have Izzy versus Jared Cannonier. How do you see that one playing out? I don't know. Izzy's my guy. I love Izzy. He's just, he's unbelievable. I like watching him fight. He's just, he's a showman, you know. Obviously, you know, he's shown, you know, that uh, his jiu-jitsu is, is, needs more more work. But overall, that guy that guy's a great fighter. You know, I love watching him fight. So I can't go against him. Cannonier, can he, can he take him out? Yeah, but... But it's going to not be one of those easy, I'll strike him. It's going to be one of those, I landed a shot. Like that Alex Pereira guy. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I oh, pronounced yeah. his name right. Pereira, he's yeah. fighting Sean Strickland. Yeah, he's got the kind of power and he's got the experience that, you know, he's obviously beaten Izzy before. So he's the type of guy that, that can do something like that. But but on the technical, you know, uh, he is such a great stand-up fighter and overall MMA smart fighter now, you know, and he's only going to get better. He's only going to get better. Where does he stack up right now to you against like an Anderson Silva? To me, he he's right there, right there with him. And look what he's done. Look who he's beat. You know, I mean, and he challenged himself. He went to two hundred five. 
You know why? Because the challenges at 185 weren't good enough for him. So he goes up to, you know, 205 and, and uh, maybe, you know, a little too much for his frame right now. But and then he comes back to, you know, uh, the 185. And his biggest challenge was the last one with Robert Whitaker, in my opinion. Robert Whitaker, he, he found the key and the success. Now can Whitaker improve on it? And, and come back for a third fight and, and possibly dethrone him. I don't know, but I'll tell you what, I enjoyed that fight. Well, Anderson has the consecutive title defenses, and Izzy's got to catch up, but what does Izzy need to do in your eyes to surpass him as the greatest middleweight of all time? Just that, more defenses, clean out the division like he is. Uh, I, I'm not going to be shocked if uh, you know people four or five fights from now are talking about Izzy as the greatest middleweight of all time I, I wouldn't be surprised at all well we always appreciate your time and appreciate you coming on our show are you going to kick you. him off before i ask him about hamza chamaev has your perception oh. of him changed since the gilbert burns fight no 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 my perception of him, of him has not changed um but i think people's perception of gilbert burns has changed and people are are are, are should be giving gilbert props for for how great he actually is, yeah, you know, and remember Gilbert's two big failures, if you want to call them failures, has been the champ and and, and Hamzat, you know, and, and uh, I, no no, you are a warrior like that, you go to war like that, and, and he comes out victorious like he did. No no no, he's only going to get better. Future champ, I say so. I say so. I say so. You know, um, we'll see what happens. You know, because uh, you know the present champ has got something to say about that. But he keeps getting that kind of experience. You know, uh, I don't know, man. Present champ against Leon Edwards uh, rematch from two thousand what fifteen? Yeah. yeah. How do you see that playing out? Do you think it's and still, or do you think Leon Edwards? Well, you know, it's a tough one for me to really comment on because I like both of them. Leon trained with me. Uh, came. Uh, one month with us when he was fighting him and uh, Leon didn't have any concept of wrestling back then in England and he came to our gym two times for two fights uh, the second one was was the champ and uh, where he lost Leon lost um, but he learned from that and now Leon's got a great uh, training camp where he's got everything he's needed so I think we're going to see a very interesting fight so because I like them both I don't really want to pick you know, I'm just going to enjoy the fight. It's always great to have you on. We always appreciate your time. Thanks. Yeah. I know you have to go train Umar soon, right? No, no, we don't train till later. We're good. Okay. They, they change. They keep changing the times on me. So we're good. Oh, yeah. I remember you talking about that before. Yeah, remember I told you? They yeah. always change. So you're <laughs> telling me, oh, this, I go, uh, let me find out because I don't know. They change the times on me all the time. First, Habib says, coach, uh, we're training at 10. I said, okay, great. So I tell, I tell my son, I tell Super Dave, training at 10. All of a sudden, I get the call from Habib at 11 or so. Coach, uh, uh, we're training at 6 now. I'm like, okay, we're training at 6. No problem. So they change all the time. Just Tomorrow will be a different story. What time, I don't know. Well, appreciate you coming on again, and we'll talk to you soon. You yeah. in town for a couple of weeks, I imagine? Are you no, I, I, I'm in town until the 26th. I go back on the 26th, and uh, I'll see what happens from there. And then I think I'm commentating on the millions, uh, doing the millions where I'm commentating in the UFC, where I'm wa people can watch the UFC with me on millions. Which, yeah, which, which one? fight card? Uh, they ha I, I think the, the there's two options. I think it may be this one, July.
second. Oh, UFC 276. I think so. Think 276. So. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. Before, the last fight thing I want to talk about, too. The main event for this fight. Um, uh, Armand Sarukian yeah. and Gamrot. That's a great fight. That's a really good fight. I think Armand Sarukian's first fight in the UFC was against Islam, yes. and he took it short notice. Yes. And you could argue that was Islam's toughest fight. You could argue, or, and there's no argument there. That was his toughest fight. What that do you think of Armand, uh, uh, one of these two guys, his future title contender, if with Islam holding the strap? I look at, uh, I've always visioned Armand as uh, him and Islam uh you know, whether, whoever gets the title first, whether it be Islam or Armand, because you just don't know. Islam doesn't have a title uh, shot right now at the present time that I know of. So I don't know when that's going to happen. So who, we've seen crazy things, right? So we don't know. We know Armand's top dog. So I do vision and I do see those two guys fighting each other, for, you know, one being the champion, one defending the title. You know, I, I do see that. And, and um uh, it's going to be very interesting. I, of course, I just don't think anybody can beat Islam outside of somebody catching him. You know, anybody can lose that way, but I don't see nobody beating him. He's just too well-rounded, too well-rounded. Just a fight to keep on the lookout for the future, but he's got to take care of business against Gamrot, who is a great challenge for him. Yeah. I mean, both those two guys, I, I would have liked to see him fight each other when they're higher in the ranks, but it's not I'm expecting Armand's going to take that one. I really, I don't be shocked if it's if it's one sided. That's mm -hmm. all I'm saying. Don't be shocked. I think he's that good. Like it. Well, all right. I got everything. You got I everything. Think, I think We're I good? can think of episode 105 of the Schmo Zone. Coach Javier, thanks for joining us. We're okay. out. We are out. We are out. We're out. <laughs>